The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. If you are just tuning in, we encourage you to go back and listen from episode one. This podcast may contain content that is graphic and disturbing in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Previously on Direct Appeal. For him, bigger was better. Why wasn't this enough? I'm eventually going to extricate myself from this house, from this relationship. There I am convincing myself choking is not hitting. He pushed me up against the bathroom door and stuffed the dryer sheet in my mouth. I had made the mistake of going back once before and it wasn't going to happen again. I got up to get the hell out of there. He would have done what I knew him to always do, go down and retreat to Atlantic City. He absolutely would have been back. It was just going to be when getting the restraining order is going to probably serve to antagonize him. We went through all of this and you go down to Atlantic City. I have to go down there and prove to myself he is exactly who I think he is. This is episode four, Life After Bill. Did Melanie actually find Bill's car? Or did she put it there? So I just figured, let me, uh, there was no way I was sleeping. I figured, let me just take a ride. Let me just take a ride and see. I was, I was raging. I was raging. I was pissed. And, you know, honestly, to a lot of people, an hour and a half may seem like a long drive. I spent more than that each day in the car commuting. So to me, it was, it was a drive, but it wasn't ridiculous. I did drive down there. It was the back way, sort of, into Atlantic City that we took sometimes if we didn't want to get on the AC Expressway proper. There were a lot of little motels along that strip there where people would stay who didn't, you know, want to pay $400 a night for a room. And this is also where, back in the day, Bill used to go down and, you know, end up in card games with his friends and whatnot. I wasn't really thinking, oh, my God, you know, this is where I'm going to find his car. In my mind, I, my destination was, was the sand or the Taj, which is where he used to go to gamble. You know, and I'm kind of like, you know, as I'm going from traffic light to traffic light, I'm, you know, I'm going back in my mind. Like, you know, this is where he went this night. This is where he went that night. And I'm stopped at the light. I roll up to the next and I look over and I see the car. I see the Maxima parked right on the highway there, maybe not a few yards from where the the parking lot was like right on the road there. So no one else drives the Maxima. That has to be <laughs> Bill's car. She's she'll cover that, you know. That you know, I, I did notice a blue Maxima with Pennsylvania plates in Atlantic City. But it's dark out. Oh, it's right? dark. So yeah. she can't really. I I don't think you'd be able to see the plates. You'd be able to, if you're at a light and this is in a parking lot, like how far away was, it? you know, like what's, I don't know. So actually seemed- James pulled it up. James and I looked at it on a, on like Google Earth or okay. one of these and the parking lot is pretty close, but there's still, there's like a little gulf, like a little grass yeah. ditch kind of area. It's small. You could probably see a car mm-hmm. and you might know it if you knew your car right away, but just driving around and at night having taken Xanax. And that's not the way she would normally go. She just happened to be going that back way and happened to find him at a hotel he's never gone to. It just, I don't know. It doesn't sit right. 
Has anyone confirmed that um, that car was there? Oh, sure. Other than Melanie? Okay. Oh, sure. You'll hear about, not at that spot, but you're going to hear, they absolutely found Bill's car in Atlantic City. But again, this story, what about the, you know, she's she's gotten it, or she's trying to get a a restraining order, and now she's going to find him in Atlantic (laughs) City. I find this, this is problematic for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think there's a couple things. I think finding the car, you know, I have, with all that Melanie has told me over these interviews and everything we are analyzing, the Atlantic City trips are probably the most problematic for me in terms of not making sense. Yeah, something you said there, if you have a restraining order on someone, you don't go seek them out. You know, she says, she'll say it later. I wasn't rational. I was angry. I was upset. My emotions were going back Which and is forth. Possible. I was I, anxious. Yeah. I was, <laughs> it is possible, right? You know, we could also be talking about uh, a relationship in which these two are just back and forth all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe this fits with an irrational relationship. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't. I cannot remember if it was, I think my investigators and I had narrowed it down to a place called The Luxury and they had no record of him having stayed there uh, when we went and checked, but that would have meant that the room was in his name. That that doesn't surprise me that they didn't have any record like that. He had a blue Nissan Maxima with Pennsylvania plates. That's what caught my eye, the Pennsylvania plates, which aren't uncommon to see in Atlantic City. They have, you know, a lot of people coming in from PA, but it always just caught my eye because I associated that with our cars. There's your part about, you know, Pennsylvania plates. plates. At that point, I, I actually took the jug handle and drove around the second time to make sure it was his car. I thought it was surprising, but not not completely unheard of. As a matter of fact, if anything, I felt like it was worse than I thought it was because not only did he go down there, but he didn't go to stay in one of the hotels or he was at what would have been some, you know, he's either there with somebody or at best he's in some some backdoor card game or, you know, it, it just, it incensed me. Back in the day when we used to wait tables together, we had had an argument and he had to get back at me, moved my car back there. I was about two minutes shy of calling the police looking for my my supposedly stolen car. I had come out to the parking lot and started looking around for my car. And at this point, I'm thinking like, I'm not, the car got towed, something, anything. And yeah, I mean, other and other people working there were, because I had come in, absolutely insane. Did anybody have any cars towed? I wasn't in the handicap spot. The three restaurants along that strip of the highway had shared parking lots and the back parking lot as well. So long story short, I ended up finding it back there. He had said that it had been a joke. So I figured, you know what, what better way to get back at him? I'm going to move his car someplace downtown to some seedy motel. Good luck finding it. First of all, that's kind of funny. <laughs> it's kind of a fun- <laughs> it, is, it is kind of funny. <laughs> that if, so I have one thing. Number one, that's actually a funny game to play. <laughs> Number two, why, does, why do they have Pennsylvania plates? Oh, yes. They have Pennsylvania plates because of the all the driving-related convictions in New Jersey. They oh, couldn't geez. get insurance. So they got insured through, I think it was- Is Mel- that not fraud of some sort? I'm going to go ahead and say yes, but yeah. they used, they used, I guess, either, I think it was Melanie's aunt or I'm pretty sure it was Melanie's aunt, her address as their residential so address. So that's insurance fraud. I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming everyone- they couldn't get insurance in New okay. Jersey, so. I'm assuming everyone's thinking this, but she just drives around with a spare set of keys for Bill's car or were the keys in the car? 
Well, do you don't have a key to Ellen's car? No, never. Oh, okay. Well, oh, maybe- so you didn't strike. That wasn't <laughs> weird to you. Um, no, I don't think that was. No, I don't. So I don't. you think because I'm thinking like I think spouses share have a key, spare key on their. Hmm. Okay. So, I don't think that's odd. Okay. No. That's not odd. Okay. Cause I'm thinking, you know, you have a, if you each have your own car, like you're always driving that one, they're always driving that one. If anything, there's a spare set at home in like the junk drawer or something. I don't know. But which maybe she had. Yeah. Okay. Or maybe it's just odd that you and Alan don't. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe it's something we should do. <laughs> maybe that's something. Else. Okay. That's exactly what I did. I get in and I'm like just sitting there kind of looking around. Now at this point, my heart is pounding out of my chest, Xanax or no Xanax, because part of me is scared shitless that he's going to come out of one of these rooms. I'm sitting in the front seat and I see a couple of cell phones sitting there. And one basically looked like one I recognized and one did not. So I took them and I'm going to look at them and I parked it at the Flamingo Hotel right down the street from the Tropicana. I walked over to the Tropicana where the valets are and everything. They also have essentially a cab stand and had them summon a cab for me. I couldn't drive, not the way I was feeling, but it was the first time I had taken Xanax. I wasn't thinking clearly. At this point, I didn't know if it was stress. I attributed it to the medication, um, but I'm sure it was a combination of everything. Unfortunately, security footage that the state never got. Uh, it was a dark blue cab, no markings, and the cabbie said, no problem. I forget if it was 250 or 300. It was one one way and... and one when I actually ended up taking the car right back. I think it was 300 bucks up. And I came to find out actually that the state never actually researched any of the cab activity in Atlantic City. They only looked for cabs uh, for the return trip, which would have been Woodbridge to AC. They never checked any of the cab activity in Atlantic City. Too many questions here. So she moves Bill's car Mm -hmm. to the Flamingo Hotel. Correct. Her car is still at the Luxury Inn. Correct. And instead of taking a cab to her car, she takes a cab an hour and a half away. That, that's exactly what she and says. And she claims it's because she doesn't feel well enough to drive. That's exactly what she Why says. Why not just get a hotel room then? Why spend that money taking a cab? I don't know. Why would you leave your car? You have to get get your kids the next day. You're going to have no mode of transportation. Absolutely. Sounds totally wow irrational, right? Yes. Well, again, is it irrational or is it... And are they that well off that you can just throw that money at a no. random cab ride? No, they're absolutely she not. She had cash on her? Well, cab didn't take she, credit cards? No, remember said she... <laughs> so remember she said she had taken a lot of the money out? Yes. She had taken withdrawn a lot of money okay. uh, from their bank account. So okay. yeah, it's not unrealistic that she has the cash. Okay. That part. At least that part's not unrealistic. Um, this is, again, this is tough. You got to hear the rest. Too. Okay. We haven't heard. All You're right. going to have more questions. My investigator tried to do some research on the back end, but at this point now, a couple of years has passed, and, you know, with the limited resource, and two years later, we had no luck producing any type of corroborative evidence or locating the um, the cabbie. state could have, but uh, we could not, and it was never done by the state. By the time I get back up to the Middlesex County area, now I'm feeling better, but I'm upset. I'm wondering how the hell I'm going to get back to my car without having to inconvenience any of my family or my friends and admit to the stupidity that I've just perpetrated. Um, 
basically, I didn't want to share with any of them how recklessly I just behaved. I had the cabbie let me out near, um, but not quite at, the Woodbridge train station, and I started to walk in that direction. At this point, I I knew that AC had a train station, but I didn't know what lines, if any, could connect it from up there, so that was kind of how I was proceeding. That's how I was moving in that direction. At least I knew I'd be at the train station, a well-lit area. I had no idea in terms of mass transit buses. I figured I could have checked from there. Um, What I should have done was just had the cabbie I I was with just turn around and take us both back because he was going back that way anyway. But I I felt like I was coming out of a fog at that point. And anyway, the closer it got to dawn, um, traffic was starting to, you know, pick up. The town starting to kind of wake up. And the car stops near me, middle-aged guy, dark car, a beard, and he was driving. The car seemed, it looked more like a car service car than a proper cab, but it didn't look like a, like a private vehicle anyway. And he asked me where I was headed. I explained where I needed to go, and I started to tell him a little, but I, I stopped. I, I just, I didn't even see the point. He offered to take me for $250. I had a hard time finding my truck at first, but we did a couple of turns around the, the jug handle, and eventually I got there, and I got into my own car, finally. <laughs> wow. Okay. So first of all, this is the middle of the night. She has this random cab driver drop her off, not quite at the train station, right? A little while away or a little whatever, right? So then she goes to the train station and then instead of going home and going to sleep and dealing with it in the morning, she goes right back. Right back. I'm going to have to say guilty. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wrap my head around this. And let me ask you. Yeah. Yeah. Was there anyone who testified to the dose of Xanax she took and her body weight? Could this have made her that messed up that she was making these crazy decisions? Nobody testified to that. I mean, as far as I know, Xanax is not the type of drug that makes you sort of. I mean, I could be totally off on that, but I'm wondering Xanax if. Xanax doesn't disillusion you. You know, you've heard these cases about the Ambien. Yeah, right. That's People what I'm doing, thinking. It, it yeah. doesn't do that. It certainly relaxes you. You could almost, you could almost say there's a, and an, an, maybe like an alcohol type effect in which you feel the foggy part. Absolutely. Um, But not the irrational delusion. She she also doesn't say though, and she doesn't say how much Xanax she took. Who knows also if she's, maybe she popped a few. Like I'm really freaking out. She pops a few. That's definitely, she was small. Remember, tiny too. That would have a deleterious effect, I would think, on her. She had some very close friends though that I don't see why she, I know she said she was embarrassed because she acted irrational, but- from what I understand, she had a few really tight friends. Like She had a few close friends. They didn't live that close to her and they had small children. Okay. So I don't think it's, I don't know that it would be the type of thing where she could call a friend up in the middle of the night. What do you make out of the fact that she decided to go back and not just go home and go to sleep at this point and then deal with it the next day? I think it's so hard to believe. Yeah. I And I, I, I said to her, Melanie, you certainly have to understand that people are this is this is tough to buy. This is a hard sell. And no one ever spoke to that cabbie either. No. So here's the thing that we would, you know, in the course of doing our investigation, it, no one has found either one of these two cabbies. And the state is going to say clearly it's because they don't exist. That this is a made-up story. Did anyone look for them? Sorry. So it, there was an interview done. I, I actually saw this on Dateline. And I believe it was testified to 
as well, where Detective Dalrymple, who we reached out to and who declined to participate in this uh, podcast, says that they did look for the cab companies. Melanie says there was no attempt to look for the cabbies. The state says there was an attempt to look for it. I don't know. We don't know what the... I believe that I would say there's probably some attempt, but mm-hmm. was it a full scan of every limo or every you know company? Probably not. Now, I'm sure that would have been impossible to do. But so let's just put it out there right now. Um, you know, Melanie says there's these two cab drivers. She describes them. She describes the days which- They both had nondescript cars conveniently. But she did describe them a little bit. Um, yeah. So if, listen, if you are listening and you are one of those cab drivers or you have some information, it, please yeah. contact us, right? We want to hear from you for sure. Whether, we don't know if these- It seems like it would not be that hard if they did it at the time. How many cab companies were there? In the area, how many people were working that night? I mean, it doesn't seem... Well, they didn't do it at the time. They weren't doing this till much later because their investigation into Melanie didn't begin until later. And, you know, when they're actually going into all of this, it's several months to a year um, later. Easy pass on these cab drivers. Not on the cab drivers, but we have easy pass on her, which we're going to get to. But so easy pass had cameras back then, I'm assuming... Or no, because if so, they could have just looked at the footage from the time she said and seen if they saw cabs or... I don't know. We're talking about 2004. So I don't know what the technology was exactly at that time. It's a a great question. But also, I think she's saying they weren't standard, you know, these aren't standard taxis. Are these, you know, these are like the equivalent to today's Uber drivers. So, you know... She she goes to the train station, then she goes back, and then she we're talking about five hundred dollars. And there's no surveillance at the Tropicana. There's no surveillance at the train station. Well, Melanie said one of the things Melanie said is you know, and and I believe her defense counsel or maybe later on on her appeal, someone said you know pull the the cameras, pull the surveillance from the Tropicana. But I don't believe they could. I don't believe it existed anymore. But this is one of the things she said, look at it, pull it if you can. It'll show that I was there. And she... That doesn't mean she's innocent, though, even if she was there. Does not, no. <laughs> at least it, doesn't it confirms mean. her story partially. It, it would if they had it, but there's no way to confirm this. And again, this is a really, this is a really odd story. I think this is going to be, for me, again, this is the most troubling mm-hmm. part of... And the children are at her parents this whole time. Children are at her parents this whole time. She's checked herself into a hotel. She has a number of things she has to do. And the hotel's in Woodbridge? Or by her parents. It was the Red Roof Inn, and it was close to the Woodbridge apartment. Okay. So because she was too scared to go home, but yet she wasn't too scared to go seek him out. That's what she says. She didn't <laughs> want to be in the house, okay. so she checks herself in. Mm-hmm. So now she talks about uh, what she's. Melanie tells us now what she does. Because the next day, the next couple of days, and I left and I tailed it right back up to Middlesex County, where I napped a little bit, and then went to the courthouse, and that was the day I ended up getting the TRO. So that was. Friday the 30th. That evening, I ended up going to dinner with with my, my friend who was a lawyer. He gave me a couple of divorce referrals. On Saturday the 1st, I had to go back to the bank. I actually went to a different bank to open up a new account. I met Brad for lunch in the park. I went to a couple of different apartment complexes trying to see what was available. You know, and that's the thing, like Commerce Bank in Metuchen would have had records that I opened new accounts, what time I opened them. A timeline could have been created that basically shows that uh, I have no opportunity to go anywhere near the state of Virginia. Why could she not have gone to Virginia during that whole Atlantic City night back and forth? 
She could have gone to Virginia then. The timeline of the next day is almost irrelevant. I don't think she could have gone. No, I don't think she could have done the Virginia trip. Why? Because the Virginia trip, because she actually did go to Atlantic City and they'll, they'll see later on. Oh, they have proof that she was in Atlantic City? They have proof she was in Atlantic City, yes. So okay. it was, it's not possible during this timeline. And the state will have another timeline in which they think she did go to Virginia. Okay. But she's even say, what she's saying is not she didn't go during this time, and I don't think the state would have ever argued she went during this time frame. They're That's not right. that wasn't no, they're not arguing that. They are arguing, however, that she went to Virginia later, a couple days later. And Melanie was saying, even though it relates to something we're talking about a little bit in a little bit, that if they had, you know, pulled her her records too and phone records, which we'll get to, um, that they would have seen, like the timeline would have showed, and her her phone records would have shown that she did not go to Virginia. So she's talking about the next day. So this is, you know, the 28th to the 29th. That was yesterday. Now we're on the 30th. She's going to tell you what she does tonight. And I think you're going to, I don't know. On the night of the 30th, which is the night after she went to AC and moved the car. Right. She just said she had dinner um, with a friend, a divorce lawyer. Now listen to what she does next and tell me what you think of this. I was getting a little antsy and I wanted to go and take a look and see if he found his car. And my dad did not know that at the time. He, you know, we'd been talking on the phone. He knew I wanted to go see if I could find his car, period. But he didn't want me going down there alone. So that Saturday night into early Sunday, I picked my dad up. And he said, you know, I don't want you going down there alone. My, my dad was the king of, you know, let's just go take a ride. Let's just go take a ride. That was something we always did as kids. So, again, riding in the car, not a big deal. I drove down there, picked him up. And at this point, all those downtown motels are looking the same to me. So, And I didn't tell him what I had done at that point. I just kind of made like I was looking for his car because my father would have gone nuts. And I had something so foolish. And we didn't find anything, obviously. I drove my dad back home. This was one of the times I believe the easy cast transponder uh, went off. I went back up to the red roof because I was due to meet Celine the next day. And turns out Brad actually called me before dawn. He was right outside the hotel room. He wanted to see if I was okay. I let him in. It was maybe about 5 o'clock in the morning on Sunday the 2nd. And he left for work shortly after that. I met with Celine for lunch. On Monday, I took the boys to daycare. I gave them a copy of the TRO. I had been given that week off of work, so I needed to get some things in order. I met with an insurance agent so I could get the car legitimized back in Jersey. I went up to my employers, changed my benefit information, gave them a copy of the TRO. My folks meet me halfway home, and they take the boys. I check out some more apartments. I go home that night, I talk to my mom, and, you know, I'm dejected at this point. I want to sell everything. I don't want anything left from this life. That's it. It's done. And I have a bunch of really expensive, heavy Thomasville furniture. I have no interest in moving. You have 60 seconds remaining. I want to sell everything if I can. So my mother suggested Delaware, and it's 45 minutes from my mom's house, and it doesn't have any sales tax. 
and a patient of mine had also told me about the furniture places down there around uh, Christiana, Delaware. And so that's what I did that morning. And that was not my return trip from Virginia, as the prosecution had alleged. Okay, so the night after she goes to Atlantic City, she says she's anxious, she's worried. Did Bill find his car? Is he going to be pissed? Oh my God, she's freaking out. So she calls her dad and she tells him and he says, let let me go with you. Which I don't see anything weird about that. No, it's funny because when she said, uh, you know, let's take a ride, I thought my grandfather used to always say the same yeah, thing. That's, it was always, yeah, yeah you want to take a ride? You <laughs> and know? of course, any father would say any you're father. not going yourself. Right. So she says they go back. She can't find Bill's car. They can't find Bill's so car. So she had left it at the Flamingo Hotel, but the she Flamingo. didn't remember that she did that. She didn't. She remember she drove it somewhere. It was, you know, a seedy hotel. Okay. And uh, it's funny, the Flamingo was, has an interesting yeah. history. And it is, you know, she, I, she said she drove it to the seediest place she could find and she couldn't find it. And she said she was sort of relieved that they couldn't find it because she thought- Was it, it still there? Do you know? Does anyone- So it, it was, the car was towed, but the car was not towed until later. So the car- probably was still she there. She just didn't see it if this is didn't find true. It. Okay. She said it. Now, if she's, it, but if she's lying, why not just go straight to the car with her dad? Okay, we found it. Good. Now we know he's here. Mm, because maybe the car, I don't know, maybe she doesn't remember where she put it. I don't, I don't think that. If she's lying, what's the purpose of the second trip with her dad? Meaning if she actually killed him. Yeah, if she killed him. And the first, let's say the first trip last night is just to set his car up there, Mm -hmm. right? The prosecution would say that's the purpose of that trip. They would also say the reason you couldn't find the cab company uh, is because she had an accomplice who drove her back. Yeah. They would later say or imply that this was her father after going through a number of accomplices. But what's the purpose then of the second trip? I don't know. I don't know either. So it doesn't, the first trip is problematic in a a whole host of ways, but then the second trip you go, I'm really not sure. She's just just nervous, wants to check on the car, see what the status is. Maybe, I mean, it's possible. Or maybe it's just more to the story, but it doesn't make sense. I'm not sure about that one. I'm not sure either. Melanie also says that she had found the night before, she said she found two phones in oh, Bill's yeah. car. We forgot to talk about that. Yeah, she took those phones with her, uh, she says. She so said, but, one was a phone she knew he had and one was some other phone. She Yes, according to her, she thought maybe this is some woman's phone mm-hmm. or she also said that Bill, in the course of his work, had several different phones often. Like there was often one to two phones around. Mm-hmm. She says that she went through the phones. She looked through them, um, eventually got pissed and just threw them out. So we do know that Bill's phone made two phone calls at some point. So um, the first one was to Jonathan Rice at 5.41, I think, p.m. on April 30th, 2004. And And that's his friend. According to the prosecution's timeline, Bill would have been dead by then. Yes. Okay. They changed their time uh, timeline a little bit, but he would have been incapacitated at this point at the very least. And then the second one was to to Melanie and Bill's apartment at 1.10 a.m. on May 2nd, 2004. And that's the day Melanie moved the cars? May 2nd is later. No. The first one, April 3rd. No, no. that's mu- These phone calls come much later. However, the, the cell phone records, it looks like these calls were made from the Woodbridge area, which is where she lives. Mm-hmm. So she said, look, maybe in going through them, I hit a few buttons. She said she threw them out, though. Yeah, but she went through them first. I don't know how long she kept them for, but she says... But she's going through them at 1 a.m. randomly, and I mean... So Jonathan Rice, did he ever answer that phone no. call? So, what? but what would be the purpose of her calling Jonathan Rice? And then, what, if he answered, was she going to hang up on him? I mean, if she's trying to establish this, she's not going to hang up on so, him. So, 
then the theory is that either Bill placed that call or she dialed it by accident. Is that sort of what we're looking at? Yeah, but it would be hard to argue that Bill placed that call if they're coming from the Woodbridge area and Bill supposedly is nowhere near there because he's in Atlantic City at the very least. All we know is that these calls were made. We, uh, We absolutely do not know by whom and how. So what is the, I guess, is the conspiracy theory that she had the phones and she didn't actually throw them out or sort of what does this suggest? Well, at first I might have suggested, hey, Bill's still alive, right? He's making phone calls. Yeah. But But then it looks like no. So her explanation for why it may have been hers, because look, I was going through these phones. Mm -hmm. So I obviously accidentally hit, you know, in my, going through these phones, I hit a call once or twice on accident. The the question is, what does the prosecution think that these phone calls, how do these phone calls contribute to Melanie's guilt, if at all? I think that, um, I, I don't recall exactly, but I think the prosecution may have alluded to the fact that the calls were an attempt to make it seem as if Bill was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, alive. Okay. But then she would have done it from Atlantic City, not from Woodbridge. Well, she might not have known much about the cell towers, but I think her point, her refute to that was, well, what was I doing? I was calling John Rice and then what? I don't know if he's home or not. So if he picks up, I'm going to hang up on him. I'm mm-hmm. Bill and I hang up on my friend. That doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So now we have, you know, we have the next... Sorry, really quick. Yeah. Why would she throw the phones out? I don't know. I mean, They're clearly his. I'm very financially minded, but like I would... <laughs> Those are worth a decent amount of money. Why not sell them, refurbish them? I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. You're just going to throw out electronics? I don't know either. No idea. That seems shady a little. Yeah. Well, there's Clearly, not- she's not worried about money if she's throwing all this money on cab rides. I think there's a lot of things that seem shady here. Yeah. But yeah. All right. So now we're, you know, we've taken, she's a couple days past. Uh, now we have a couple of, what happens in the next couple of weeks? Because a lot's couple happened. A couple of weeks. So yeah. we're talking weeks are going by now. Well, this is, so far we've had a couple of days, right? So far she's talking about April 28th, 29th, 30th, um, and then the 1st and 2nd of May. But now what happens in the weeks after Bill? Let's hear her describe that. Can I just ask something? Yeah. Um, and I'm. this isn't really giving anything away because we said it in the first episode, but what was the date that the suitcases were found? Um, the first date that the, the first suitcase was found on May 5th. Interesting. Okay. Okay. I can see Amy's, <laughs> the wheels are working in your head, which is great. They're okay. supposed to be, right? Yeah. All right. So let's ha- hear what happens um, in the couple weeks after Bill disappears. Well, I had gone down to Delaware, right around the area of Christiana. Delaware is a no sales tax state. My parents ended up taking the boys to daycare that morning because that was going to be their first drop off. They knew they had to get comfortable with the the process. It's a computer process check in. I think I left about 7, 7.30 from there, maybe a little bit later. This is actually the morning of, I believe, May 2nd. And this is the morning that the prosecution would say... Melanie was not, Melanie was actually in Virginia Beach dropping off Bill's body. So depositing the suitcases. So she's explaining what happened that morning. And the prosecution would say that never actually happened because the night before she had already left. I didn't actually make it into any of the stores because my phone rang. It was Brad. And I said, you know, what's going on at the office? And he said, oh, just another Tuesday. 
And I said, oh, shit, Tuesday, I'm supposed to be meeting Celine for lunch that day. So I hopped on the turnpike and started driving north so that I, I would be on time. I left Delaware. It was about an hour and 45, two hours. Plans were for New York. We were going to talk about, you know, divorce, finances, etc. Celine is very business-minded. Um, and I actually had made a purchase on my Amex card while I was waiting for her. And the prosecution would ultimately end up saying that I made that purchase in order to establish an alibi. We talked, we talked for a considerable amount of time. She actually, wonderful person that she is, she gave me a check for a few thousand dollars saying, listen, you're going to need this to, you know, you're going to file for divorce, but you also have to get a whole new apartment security deposit, things like that. My apartment, we had to vacate that as of May 31st, but it would take time to get the security deposit back. Does Celine confirm that they yes. met for lunch? Yes. Any other um, confirmation that they had lunch that day? Yeah, there's a bill. I mean, they okay. were able to confirm that. Okay. But what the prosecution says is that well, the night before, Melanie left. The night before, she drove to Virginia Beach basically through the night. And that her parents had the kids, so yep. it's possible. Okay. Yep. And that she would drive back and meet Celine to create this alibi. Melanie says, yes, I was in Delaware. I was furniture shopping. Who doesn't go into a store after driving Well, she said she got there too early. The stores weren't open yet. I don't know if you remember. So this is, this is again, this is a problematic, you know, we had asked Linda about this. Yes. So I asked Linda about this and the, Linda, Melanie's mother, and she was also pretty adamant. I remember that morning, Melanie was here. We talked about her furniture shopping. I told her she should go do this. Do you believe Linda? I don't. I I actually do believe Linda. I believe Linda on that well, morning. Yeah, because Melanie could have been lying to her mom. The thing I don't no, understand. No, she can't be. She can't be going to Delaware that morning because she has to be gone oh, overnight because gotcha. the trip to Virginia. So Linda would have to, to be lying. Linda would have to be lying. Um, so you have to believe that Linda was lying. I believed she was being truthful about it. There's no um, easy pass record of her in Delaware. Nothing. Um, cell phone pings. Nothing that puts her in Delaware. No, interestingly, the prosecution, from what we know, never used Melanie's phone records. And I'm definitely going to talk about that, okay. you know, at a later point. They would use Bill's records, but not Melanie's. Did they hand it over to the defense and the defense use it? No, I don't think they ever pulled her records. What? <laughs> I know, okay. I know. Is for, that, okay. For now, we'll stick um, with, let's stick with this issue for now. Okay. Um, the other question I had here is they said that she made an Amex purchase. What was that? Do you know what that purchase was? They were claiming it was for her to establish an alibi. Interestingly, she says that she bought lunch, even though she was broke and Celine gave her money. See, that's the thing. Why is her friend giving her money, but yet she could afford these cab rides? I know, and she could afford to throw out cell phones. I know I keep going back to that, but if I'm strapped for cash... I'm not spending $500 in cabs and I'm not throwing out two pieces of electronics. I understand. I totally understand. Celine was very helpful in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. She she helped her with money a lot. She was, she, I mean, she's a great friend otherwise, but she helped her financially on many occasions. And I just want to go back to the fact that they're homeowners at this point. So the house is just sitting there vacant this whole time. Well, yeah, it's probably vacant at this point. Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's hear what she did. So that was the day of, that's an important day uh, on May 2nd because it, again, is supposedly this day that she's 
So you have to, you either accept or reject Linda's argument that no, Melanie was here and I talked to her and I remember very clearly. If you accept that, then it is not possible for her to make it in that time, at least not on that day. Okay. Something else I want to point out though, as much as I love hanging out with you, if I am almost two hours away from the city and we had lunch plans, I would call you and reschedule. I would as well, unless she thought it was really important that she see Celine. Unless okay. she thought she needed a friend. She might have also known that she needed some money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she spent all her money on cabs. <laughs> but, you know. Um, so anyway, let's hear after this day. This will really be, the, I think, the next couple of weeks. You know, we still had a little bit in the bank, and I took half of it out, a little bit more than half. I had left him with some money in the account in case he went to the bank, because I know how angry that had made him when he said his ex-wife had done that and cleaned out their account. But it wasn't going to be enough. You know, Central Jersey at that time, you're talking about 2000 a month for rent. So if you figure first month, last month, security is a month and a half, you know, you're talking about chunks of change. Staying with my folks in the meantime, but you were talking about 100 miles each way, back and forth every day. That was not going to be a good long-term solution. I met with, on the late afternoon of May 5th, that's when I met with my divorce attorney for the first time, discussed filing a complaint. She gave me the template, basically what to put my narrative into so that she would be able to file it. And later that week, because I had the week off from from work, I traveled to the house that Bill and I had closed on with my mom so we could go into the house and see what was up. We had closed on that house with the idea that the owners of the home, previous owners of the home, uh, were staying there a few extra days. After the closing, they were paying us rent, and there was a security deposit involved, and we wanted to go into the house. And also, I was interested to see if perhaps Bill had been staying there. And I went with my mother. I wasn't going alone. Bill, when he left, took the only key to the house. So we actually had to call a locksmith, get into the home that way. I have a quick question. This is an aside, but she said this and I thought about it. Bill, when he left, took the only set of keys. There was only one set of keys. If she kills her husband, why doesn't she keep the keys? Now she's got to spend another couple hundred dollars on a locksmith to get in? Because she was so busy that she didn't think of it. It was an oversight. And that's something that may be possible. It was just something that I thought of. But then again, would those keys... Oh, and I was going to say, would they be on the keys she used for the car? But I guess not. He must have had his own set. something I thought of, like, why didn't she just keep the keys? But yeah, yeah, maybe she's so busy. Maybe it's an oversight. Okay. Uh, But there was no evidence that Bill or anybody beyond the previous owners had been there or had stayed there. In fact, there was a bottle of champagne that the previous owners had left for us and a couple of glasses. And I just broke down. And I just said to my mother, why, why wasn't this? Why wasn't this enough? It was a huge house, 3,200 square feet on two acres. What else, what else is there? Over the course of the next couple of weeks, I'm in contact with Bill's sister because she had called and said, well, how did the closing go? Nobody ever called me. Uh, his older sister, Cindy, and she's a real estate agent as well, so she was interested in the, uh, the sale of the house. I called her back and I told her what had occurred between her brother and I. I was crying. I said, I'm so sorry. I tried. I really tried. And she said, I know you did, and I'm surprised she lasted this long. There was no adversarial relationship at this point. Um, And she said to me at that meeting, sort of semi-joking, she said, he's not in the trunk of your car. 
And I said, no, he's not living in your pool house. And she said, no. And then before she left again, she looked at me. She said, he's really not in the trunk of your car. And I said, no, he's not. On Monday the 17th, after speaking to his boss and finding out that he had not returned to work, you know, I had managed to really put off any concern until that time because he could be anywhere doing anything. The fact that he didn't return to work on the, 18th, on the 17th had concerned me. So before work on the 18th, uh, I was not sleeping, and I asked my father if he wanted to take a ride with me down to Atlantic City. Again, just sort of driving around. I mean, what I was doing, I had, you know, looking to see if that car was still there, but again, I wasn't 100% sure of where I had parked it until later when the police told me the name of the hotel. Uh, I didn't see it there, of course, at this time, come to find out after the fact it had been towed by this time. So I didn't see it because it truly wasn't there. Uh, but that was one of the, the two days that the Easy Pass transponder hit when I had gone down to Atlantic City. Now, at this point, I should mention his sister and I both speak to a friend of his from Virginia Beach, John Rice. This is somebody who he knows from back in the day from the Navy. Um, actually, when he and his ex-wife lived in Virginia, they were all close. John was actually the best man at our wedding. He and his wife ultimately ended up being the people who identified the sketch. Does Cindy confirm that she had those conversations with no. Melanie? And I was going to point that out right away, right now. This is unverified information. We have not spoken to Cindy. We but don't know. But it didn't know. come up at trial, and Cindy, as far as you know, um, they didn't talk that day as far as, I mean, it wasn't brought up at trial. I don't know. As far as you know. I okay. actually, yeah, to my knowledge, I, I don't know. I don't want to say yes or no. Something we could definitely look into. Yeah, yeah we okay. could try to confirm that for sure. But we have not at this point. So I don't know if those conversations happened. But I do think that I, I think that there's suspicion falling on her, you know, pretty quickly within a couple of weeks. You know, that might have been a joke even if it was said. Mm-hmm. Maybe if it was said at all. Or yeah. maybe it wasn't a joke. Why would she make that up if it wasn't said? It seems like it would only I mean, it doesn't serve any purpose for no, Melanie. It doesn't serve any purpose. It um, just it's just I think it just adds to, you know, the irony of the situation and that's it. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Also point out here, uh, Melanie goes back to Atlantic City for a third time with her father on May 18th. And she said something about the Easy Pass. So the Easy Pass picked her up. So the Easy Pass picked her up uh, a couple of times. There was two times. And so that's part of the prosecution's case. But why is Melanie going back a third time if she's, if she, again, if he's dead and she knows it, what is with these two extra trips? As a cover-up to say, if I killed him, why would I keep going back to the scene of the crime? Or why would I keep going back to look for him? It would be a waste of my time. Okay. So you think it's part of the evil genius? It could be. I I don't necessarily think that, but that could be what people would take from it. She didn't find his car. She's right because it was towed by this time. And later on in the trial, we're going to hear uh, there was a tow truck driver who testified. He actually provided some integral testimony. And I believe that car was towed on May 8th, 2004. So it's long gone by now. Um, So Melanie never reported Bill missing. His family, his friends, nobody cared that he's, at this point, he's missing, what, three weeks? So, no, he was not reported missing by family and friends. Now, I asked Melanie about this, and I, Melanie did discuss it. Her divorce, she asked her divorce attorney if she should report him missing now, because now she thinks after a couple of weeks, maybe she should. And the divorce attorney said not to. According to Melanie, the divorce attorney said, nope. So we haven't been able to confirm that. Focus on your divorce. Um, And we don't know the reason why his family did not report him missing, but there was not a missing person's report, to my knowledge, filed. 
So what do you make of that? Do you think because it was um, in his character to sometimes kind of run away? Or do you think they just thought he, like, it just seems kind of strange, especially during a time in your life where you just close on a new house, you have two young kids, you think they would want to at least call, see what the kids are doing? I do. And I I mean, I know that for Melanie, I know that they did call. I know that, you know, Bill's sister did call and did Bill have parents? Uh, they were deceased. They were, okay. They were deceased at the time. So, so uh, he, he had, had two, two sisters, sisters, but he was he was closest with, or I got the impression that he was closer with Cindy. And Melanie did speak with Cindy. Spoke with her a number like. of times. Uh, I think she said she was speaking to her daily. So I'm not sure the reason why. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Melanie says that, you know, her claim again is that she thinks that Bill is gone and she's, wor- she's worried, but she's, you know, also making plans with her life. She says that she received or she was not informed of Bill's death until May 26th. So that is almost a month after she says he disappeared. Okay. All right, let's hear the what she says was the mm-hmm. notification. And my mother called me on my cell and said that police had been by the house. And that she, as a matter of fact, I can't remember if the kids were with her or with me. Isn't that terrible? At some point, she said, you know, the cops had come by and they said there was nothing wrong. You know, I wasn't in trouble or anything, but they needed to speak to me. So I called my nurse manager and she she was married to a cop. And I said, like, what do you think this, this could be? And she said, I don't know, but it's not good. I agreed to go home. I picked up my dad. We went to the police station because we didn't want the police in the house with the kids. Yeah, because we didn't know what was what was going to go on, what was going to be said. And the officer came outside and asked me if my husband was Michael McGuire. And I said, no, my father is Michael Caparero. My husband is William McGuire. He disappeared back inside the station for about uh, 10, 15 minutes and then came back outside and said he was... He was sorry to inform me, but my husband had passed away in Virginia and that I would be contacted by the Virginia Beach Police Department. I don't really remember a lot after that. I remember my dad pretty much half picking me up and putting me in the car. It it was just, you know, I, I kind of thought maybe he was in the hospital someplace or maybe he had been arrested more likely than anything. I didn't know what to expect. You never think somebody's gonna say that to you. You think of everything else. And even, you know, it being not good, I still didn't think, you know, but at this point, again, his behavior had been so different. Bill was not the type to self-harm. But I didn't know. I didn't know. And it took days to get a hold of Virginia Beach for them to tell me that he died, they don't think he suffered, and that it wasn't a suicide. And that was all they would tell me at the time. When they finally came up, they said, it, we believe it, you know, it's a homicide. But they didn't release any of the details at first. If memory serves, and I'm not 100% about the timeline, is when it had been in the newspaper. And even though I had not looked, Brad was actually uh, the one who told me that he was found on different days. So I knew at that point what that meant. And in fact, I would not learn the cause of death. I would not learn that he was shot until they released the body and the death certificate to me in July. Um, I'm just trying to understand the timeline. So they don't, they tell Melanie on May 26th, Bill, um, the first suitcase is found on May 5th. When was he ID'd? He was identified positively via fingerprint on May 21st. So it just, okay. And well, that was after... 
Well, before fingerprint, that was when John and Susan Rice called in because they put a composite sketch they in Virginia. Compo- so actually they released a sketch, I think, oh, they released a sketch on the 21st and yes, they, they called in. Maybe it took a day or two for the fingerprints and as soon as they confirmed the fingerprints, it seems like a couple days later, okay. she was notified of his death. She didn't, wasn't notified of the circumstances. It's funny, they told her that he did not suffer. I mean- how would they? How could they say that if his I have no body idea. was found in separate suitcases? I don't know. I don't actually know who made the death notification, yeah. but I should also point out that uh, we contacted a number of the officers involved in this case. We'll go through some of them at some point, about four or five of them. They all declined to speak uh, about this. People said, you know, that Melanie was uh, not upset that this didn't affect her. Her mom said differently. Well, and she also, I'm sorry, uh, Melanie also said her father had to pick her up or something. Melanie says that, um, but Linda says that she also was quite shaken. When he disappeared in April, we didn't find out he was dead until May, the end of May. Was it the end of May? I don't, you know, it's been so many years, it's hard to even remember. But it was a long time where we didn't know what was going on, mm-hmm. you know. So... Um, she had no idea. She had absolutely no idea. She, I held her. She cried and cried and cried. And it was, it was terrible. He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. It was, it was horrible. It was just awful. You know? So, but we didn't find out till two days later what, what had really happened to his body. You know, and terrible thing. I mean... No human being should ever have anything like that happen to them. It was beyond horrible. Next time on Direct Appeal, the police investigate Melanie, and in June 2005, Melanie is arrested. She makes bail and finds attorney Joe Tacopina to represent her as she prepares to go on trial for the murder of her husband. Direct Appeal is hosted by Megan Sachs and Amy Schlossberg. Our producer is James Varga. The story arc was written by Megan Sachs. Music and underscore by Dessert Media. Recorded, mixed, and edited by Justin Kral at JC Studios. Special thanks to Alan Tuckerman, whose work was integral to this production. If you have a tip, you can submit through our website or by emailing tips at directappealpodcast.com.